This episode of the Restoration Today podcast is presented by Nextgear Solutions, a leading provider of property restoration workflow software. Nextgear was recently acquired by CoreLogic, a leader in property information and data-enabled solutions, and a move to bridge the insurance and restoration industries into one open platform and to offer new best-in-class solutions that improve how the industry helps millions of people protect and restore the homes they love. Learn more at corelogic.com slash nextgear. I heard that you ran to your airplane. You asked for permission to go to the bathroom. Yes, before. I did. I did. Like she it. gave it to me, which was quite relieving. <laughs> yes, it was wonderful. Yeah, I was pleased. Uh, I have a great story, Michelle, before we move okay. into more serious stuff. So early on, we were going to go to an industry event, and I kept saying to Larry, when do you want to leave? When do you want to leave? Because I was always the person making the reservations. Okay. And he'd be blowing me off left and right. So finally, I just made my own reservation. And I said, this is when we need to leave. This is when we need to come back. Good luck. So Larry went and got his own flight. So we were both flying out of LAX. And he was going to Atlanta. And I was going to, like, Detroit or something. And then we were supposed to meet in Houston. So we walked to the gate together. And then Larry went to his gate. And I went to mine. And then when I landed in Detroit, my wife called and said, you need to get Larry's luggage when you fly into Houston Bush. And I'm like, why would I need to do that? He'll be there. And she said, he missed his flight. And I'm like, I saw him sitting at the gate. And she's like, he missed his flight. I got all these calls from clients. And I was taking calls, making appointments, taking because it was in the beginning. It was just like, too big. I was making appointments, making appointments, and all of a sudden I looked up. And, oh, I hit the flight left. <laughs> okay, I've heard of people like missing their stop on a train or a bus or whatever. I've never actually heard of somebody in yeah. the airport by their and gate. I walked up to the gate on our said, next podcast. Flight... I'll tell you the second half Hang of that story. No, I walked up and I said, did, did, did I miss my flight? She's like, well, which one? To wherever I'm going to land. And she goes, oh yeah, they left a while ago. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shoot. Were they also calling your name over the PA? You know, people they like probably. when it's late. Like, Larry Wilberton gets your gate. The doors are closing. I was like, so when I, I'll tell this portion. So when I got to Bush, I just stood at Larry's baggage claim. I don't know what he had for luggage. He didn't have a bag tag. So I'm waiting. I just see one suitcase going around. And then I opened it, and I'm like, I think those are his sneakers. <laughs> I, I took it. I'm, I, I'm walking away with a bag on. really hope this isn't somebody else's luggage. And how long you had to wait until the last oh, one? Oh, forever. <laughs> Michelle, we don't have That's enough time. Trend. He's going like, to make the story way bigger than No, no, no. Missed no. a flight. That was about it. I, that is not true. There's way more to the story. We'll stop here. I feel like you guys must have a lot of travel adventures. It sounds like oh, you have oh, a, yes. yes. a couple. Well, you because, can't make them up. Because Larry and I are polar opposites of each other, right? No we, kidding. Yeah. I would never have guessed yeah. that in a thousand years. No, no. But, you know, I mean, as much as that causes he and I some grief, it was really good for business because Larry would be the people person out there building our brand and, you know, kissing babies and shaking hands. And I was back, you know, running the guys and making sure the jobs got done. And, and I was putting out fires very, all the people that he pissed off. Which is why you wear yeah. fire stuff <laughs> at fire trade shows. Yes, exactly. yes. My yeah, husband remembered that. He's like, oh, that's the guy that was in the fire the outfit. Yep. I'm like, yeah. That. Put out fires. We had to put out fires all the time. 
Hey, are we okay here? <laughs> I don't know where this went. Where we were oh, no, so I got out of the shell. So I'm coming out of the elevator <laughs> in Vegas with the fireman's outfit on. And oh, yeah. Goes, Is everything okay? And I'm like, it just dawned on me. She thinks there's a fire upstairs. <laughs> with your flashing. <laughs> Sorry. Everything's okay, man. Punchline. I stole the punchline. Sorry. I'm my plastic hat. And I'm like, yeah, you're good. Like, I should have had an, an axe over my shoulder. <laughs> That's Actually, the there's a fire on the 42nd floor. The, the funniest yeah. thing so is I was telling that story at the show to our, all our industry friends, and every single one of them said the same thing. Don't they realize Larry has like a $2 Amazon <laughs> toy hat on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't get it. People right. aren't that observant. It was Vegas. They could have all been tired. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. that's it. It was very funny. So. Yeah. Okay, it's so... Serious here. Yeah. Larry, start with your background. Oh. I was born a Great. poor white black boy <laughs> in Virginia. You can't say that. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> Steve Martin said that in the jerk, remember? Yes. That's exactly what he said. Steve Martin. No, no, no. So we went to school in Keene, New Hampshire. Eric and I were uh, roommates. And then um, I ended up moving out to California. And uh, actually, Eric came out in California for a while. And we stayed friends over the years. And I got in the computer business, and Eric was in the golf industry. And one day, Eric, I was in town where Eric lives. He said, hey, I'll come and visit. And I was there on business. And he said, hey, cool, are you going to be there tomorrow? I said, yeah, I'll be around. And he said, cool, I've got a job you can help me with. I'm like, okay, cool. I didn't know what the job was, but I'm like, all right. Great. So, You're already uh, laughing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because he acquired an air duct cleaning business. He started an air duct cleaning business. And he had me helping him with the air duct cleaning. I, free helper. Free helper for the day. Who's not going to take that? Yeah. So the best part was it was the middle of winter, and we had to clean the dryer vent. And the dryer vent you know, went to like the back of the house. So I handed Larry a bag, and I said, go out that door and go around. So Larry, you know, because he's from California, he opened the door and he just sunk <laughs> to like his, sunk to like his temples <laughs> in the snow. I'm like, dude, where am I going to go from here? And he's just laughing. <laughs> and then, of course, Larry wanted in. He wanted to buy. Yeah, <laughs> no, that totally I sold to sell, me. I had to sell that, that, pretty yeah. hard. So, uh, yeah, so then, you know. Hang on, this is my story. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> So then we started, Eric was in Utah doing the business in Park City, etc. And I'm down in Ranch Cucamonga, California. I said, there's a lot more houses down here and there's no snow. And we can do this all year round. So Eric moved down and we started out my garage in Panera. And then the rest is history. Yeah, the first year and a half of our business, Panera was Panera. I was like, did you was, say Panera? Yeah, Panera <laughs> that, was, right. that was our business name was Shamrock. That was Shamrock World Headquarters. Yeah. Great. We would interview people there to hire and um, I mean, everything. Yeah. So I like Panera a lot, so yeah. I'm in favor of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, refuse to go in anymore because we spent so much time there. So are you both still involved in Shamrock? We sold Shamrock three years ago. Okay, okay. So, Eric, your background. Um, Larry told half of it. We've learned yeah, half yeah. of it now. Like so Larry, Larry and I were college roommates. Yep. And then when he, I moved to California as well mm -hmm. because I wanted better weather than New England provided. So mm -hmm. while Larry was doing his computer, I was VP of operations at a golf simulator manufacturing company. Okay. So I was there for I think like 11 or 12 years. And then after I left that, I moved to Utah 
and started the air duct cleaning business. I also was a certified home inspector. Okay. So I just wanted to do something new. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I just wanted to do something on my own. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that doing everything on your own is no fun. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, then, like Larry said, we moved the business to California. I commuted every single week from Salt Lake to Los Angeles for the whole 10 years that we were in business. And you were married? I was married to young children. Yeah. How'd that go? They're still around. That's good. Yeah, and so is the wife. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's still here. But he lived with his wife, not so much. No, that's amazing. <laughs> she flooded our house, too, and yeah. she didn't appreciate that. Like on purpose for a marketing thing? Yes. Restorers do that. Why do yeah. restorers do that to their properties? Derek Priest. Derek I know. Gave us the idea. Derek Priest good. gave us the idea, so we flooded the house. We had the TV there, the local newspaper, and we made millions of dollars off that. Lisa Lavender has been talking about doing that to yeah. her house. Russell Larry lost a wife, but we gained a lot of business. <laughs> So anyway, I should send her my video just so you can give her some. Pointers. You, you should. Yeah. You should. So Larry and I, you know, we we went through all the ups and downs that every other entrepreneurs have. We didn't know what we were doing. We would get a lot of work, but then we didn't know how to run the guys. We didn't have leadership skills. So we didn't. People don't teach you in high school and college yeah. how to yeah. run a business. That's true. Yeah. That is one of the downturns of the society that we have. It's taught to be a worker. But also, don't, they don't teach you how to build relationships. Yeah. Nothing you learn is about relationships and how much of real business is relationship-based. Real life. It's like, yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we struggled through the first few years, and there was also the Great Recession during that time, too. So Great. we really struggled. <laughs> I mean, I actually was living in our shop for the first two and a half years when I was in California because we didn't want to spend the money on an apartment, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I just... If it was 110 outside, it was 110 in my bedroom. Like, we built this little bedroom. Oh, my gosh. It was it was rough, you know. we had a, My shower had a water heater that had about two minutes of hot water, so I had to decide every night, do I wash my hair or do I wash my body? You had a lot more hair then. You had a lot more hair then. We have an audience. We're recording this at Violin's um, business planning retreat in Captiva and so we have an audience walking back and forth and every once in a while they're getting laughs from other Good. people so well, yeah it's we great. aim to entertain uh, yes. so anyway uh, you know Larry and I built that business up to a pretty good size and then we sold it three years ago and the reason that we were able to grow was because we started to invest in our team mm-hmm. like that's what we learned Michelle like you know you can do production you can do efficiencies all you want <laughs> but if your team isn't engaged and excited to be there you're not going. Well, you might go somewhere, but you're going to struggle. Yep. We learned that the hard way with technicians that would just make mistake after mistake. And as a business owner, you're like, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. Please don't do this. And you just remind them all the time and get mad at them and, yeah. and try and get them to do things. And Eric came up with a way. He went to John Maxwell and he mm-hmm. got certified and he had all these great training techniques. And he presented all of them to the guys and they shut down. Flopped. And it was, that's a whole other story in itself. But anyway, he, okay. he translated it into blue collar speak, yep. per se. He's a tech whisperer. And that's why he came up yep. with it. So he, you know, the guys would understand. It was the why, it, what it essentially was. He was telling them why not to say this to the tenants of a property manager. Why to not to walk across the lawn. Why to park the truck in the right area. Why to wear your booties. Why to look Mrs. Jones directly in the eye. Why they do all these things that are important, and then it just goes excessive. Not to walk up the stairs too close behind them when you're in a home. How to behave, 
And all of a sudden they started catching on to the, and they started like, oh yeah, that's so cool. And hey, when I was in a house the other day, I learned, you know, that I, mm -hmm. that was really helpful and techniques to help the technicians, the things that they're not taught, like we were saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our big thing was, you know, we looked at the market and said, how can we separate ourselves? You know, we've got every restoration franchise in town. We've got, yep. I mean, in the Southern California market, there are as many restorers in our area that small towns have in their phone book. Yeah, I mean, there were, I mean, you, you could, okay. every corner there's a restorer. Michigan, Detroit area is that way, so that's interesting yeah. to know what the markets are So like that. we're like, okay, well, how can we differentiate ourselves? And mm -hmm. that was through having highly trained technicians. And so we started doing daily meetings every single day talking about what most people call soft skills. Yep. You know, yep. Conflict resolution, if they're angry, where to park the van, all the things Larry was talking about. And, you know, what we did is, number one, engagement went way up mm -hmm. because we're investing in them. Mm -hmm. So they're going to give back to us. Yep. But the, the second thing was is that, you know, I used to tell them we are the best restoration company anywhere around. And they'd always say, well, how, how do we know, mm -hmm. you know? And then I'd point out, look, look at all the training that we're doing that nobody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And then that, what would happen is they'd be at the gas station gassing up and see a competitor and they'd, be, they'd come back and the next morning in the meeting they'd say, you should have seen how these guys look. Their shirts weren't even tucked in, you know? And that's when Larry and I were like, we're onto something. Mm -hmm. so this is, and we, our turnover almost disappeared. Wow. And that was huge because we had had high turnover before because that we were investing normal. in Normal. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the difference between having a good, healthy morning tech meeting or death by meetings? Oh, uh, it should be quick. Agenda. <laughs> quick. <laughs> it should be quick and have an agenda. It gets your point quick. And you're not, like, not chit-chatting. Yep. This is what we're talking about. This is, let's move on because we got to get out in the trucks quick because that time that the guys are in the meeting, it's just burning money if it's not effective if it's effective you're making money at the time mm -hmm. yeah we, you know number one i had a clock keeper i'd be like this in the back of the room <laughs> like come that. on because he'd be going on and on yeah. like but 10 what minutes I, man what 10 I, minutes what we you know we realized <clears throat> that our people liked a rhythm they wanted okay. it to be start at the same yep. time end at the same time and then so i started doing the same topics on mondays different topic okay. every tuesday wednesday so they started getting in the grind of like, oh, this is just like, this is what we do. And then, you know, we do in-home behavior one day, you know, we do personal development the next day because if they're not good at home, they're not good at work. So mm -hmm. we're investing in our their time away from work too. And then disc training and then sales training for our carpet team and service for our restoration guys. And I would have a lesson, five minutes, and then we'd have five to seven minutes to talk about it you know amongst each other like you know and then we'd have a couple more minutes just for housekeeping stuff okay yeah and so it was 15 minutes or less every single day and i used to start off every morning before <coughs> eric started i'd crank the stereo in the shop with just crazy dance music okay <laughs> or you know what i would do Getting the excitement he'd start going. the lesson and he'd start the lesson and the next thing you know eric like, would start the lesson and i just start cranking the music right in the middle of his lesson and he'd get all aggro and everybody would laugh yeah so it, it became so a show fun. they were like what crazy music is Larry gonna play uh -huh. today? So he would go to the technicians before the meeting. Cause I, I'd be in my office like getting the meeting ready. Mm -hmm. And then they were all out in the shop and we had big whiteboards and stuff. And Larry would be like, all right guys, what music should I, you know? And it would be like some 
gangster rap would just start blaring right in the middle of Great. my meeting. But they love that. Like, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm so, sure. It would create funny creates and excitement laugh in the morning. I'd get angry at Larry, they'd laugh, and then mm-hmm. we'd get back to the meeting and go. So mm-hmm. um, it's just building culture. The whole thing was building culture and yeah. having them look forward to something to come to in the morning. And that's what it became. And if we didn't have a meeting, they'd be grumpy. So I'll give you, yeah. you oh yeah. If you take the meeting away, once they're used to the meeting, what are we telling them? Money's more important than you are, Uh right? And they know that, they can feel that. So we took the meeting away a few times because we were cash crunched Mm -hmm. and it did not go well. So all the old problems came right back. Okay. So we actually at one point had to get up there and say, we will never take the meeting away again. We're sorry, we were prioritizing the wrong things. Wow. And then they're like, okay, we accept your apology and we'll go back to doing good work <laughs> now. <laughs> Who's the boss, right? I get, <laughs> the tail well. is wagging the dog. Yeah, well, you know, the, the tail is the dog in, in a lot of ways. So we we really knew we were onto something. We were at another group event and uh, a restoration company from, from Michigan, actually, said, hey, we're going to be in California. Can we visit? Okay. We're like, yeah, sure. Come on. So, you know, we did our morning meeting and they were sitting in on that. And then what, after the morning meeting, Larry and I would always inevitably go out and, you know, give hugs and high fives and help the guys get out the, like, you know, we're also out there, like, making sure they leave quickly, but we're making sure that they're happy. Mm -hmm. And so they, they all leave and they're like, you guys actually like your employees. I mean, they were dumbfounded. And we said, no, we love our employees and they love us back. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, I have no idea how you do that. And I'm thinking, you just watched us do it. You just watched it, yeah. But it was completely foreign to them. Did your culture and the kind of buying and investment you you got from your employees over the years, did that help with your valuation as you were selling? 100%. I feel like your team had to have been a huge asset to that. Because the company that bought us also had a good culture. And that meant a lot to them. And we were also completely turnkey. We had built the system. So... When they, they're like, we're getting good people who are engaged because mm-hmm. they're used to having a good culture similar to the one of the, buy, the the purchaser. But also, they were very systematic, so they knew they could plug and play our guys into their systems. Okay. So those two things are what increased value. So how did you, this is, we're kind of going in a different direction here, but once you figured, you knew that you were going to sell, at what point did you tell your team? Was it once the paper papers were signed? Was it a little bit beforehand? How did that go, that process? Yeah, it was right about when we were signing. Yeah, that's normal, but. Yeah, it was hard for I've, us. It was so hard. We're still friendly with almost every person that worked for us, but they were resentful. Like, they... They went to a bigger company. Okay. And even though they had a great culture, it was a little more corporate. Okay. And I think that they struggled with the lack of hugs and high fives mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But and um, involved to day to day operation. I went over the, with the transition process with them. And um, great company, but the guys didn't have the same. Plus, it was a transition. It was a change. Yeah. They didn't expect. Yeah. They, yeah. Nobody likes good change. Yeah. So a lot of our former employees have over time left the company mm-hmm. so I think from our final group it's okay. no, we have like eight entrepreneurs from that group yeah. that's awesome that cool? so we yeah. feel good about we groomed that's really awesome several young people I mean they were young all of our by the way I think of a key importance all of our employees were Millennials every single one 
And once we learned that we had to invest in them yes. as people, mm-hmm. and then you know we were always talking about in our mission that our purpose was to help people, mm-hmm. and they really you know believed in that, mm-hmm. and that made all of that easier as well. Okay. Like we had to not sit around and talk about profit margins and yeah. all that. Like we could do that in our manager's meeting. Sure. But with the whole team we never talked about those things. How transparent were you overall though? I know some millennials do kind of like to know like are we doing okay? Like my job's gonna be here tomorrow, right? So where was your level of transparency with your team or did because you they just trusted you? Yeah, I think they just trusted us. Yeah, we, we didn't show them a lot of numbers. Although I think if we were doing it again, we would have used the great game of business and okay. shown them all the books. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they knew some yeah. of the carpet side could see their production sheets mm-hmm. and the other, the restoration saw their production because we would show, but they didn't know. Yeah. I think most people knew roughly where we were anyway. Probably. You know. Yeah, you can kind of yeah. figure it out. Yeah, they all thought we were making millions. And, yeah, we, 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 would, we would occasionally, like <laughs> at once a year, sit on a whiteboard and do like the big numbers, like okay. revenue cost of goods sold, sure. fixed expenses, gross profit, net profit, we, w- we would show them that. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, we would then explain, like, well, this is why net profit's important. Like, if we need a new van, if we need new trucks, yep. if we need, you know, and that kind of stuff. So. Do you think there were any other things that you did within the company that helped the culture, helped retention, stuff like that, when it comes to, like, benefits or pay or anything like that? Or was it a, lo- a lot of it really rooted in this? Culture. Culture. Mm-hmm. Eric culture. would hang out at the end of the day and um, spend time with them while they're unloading their trucks, see mm-hmm. how the jobs were, just just a little bit of time. I would um, visit them on jobs, bring them mm-hmm. pizza and stuff like that. And I had all my food in the morning for marketing. And I learned that I should share it with them sometimes and market to them just like I did with our clients. That was a hurdle that I got. So Larry would have all these bags of candy that were getting made in the front office. Okay. And they would come and say, hey, Larry, Larry, can I have a candy bar? And at first he was like, no, these are for our good customers. And then they'd be hurt and leave. And then Larry realized, wait a minute, you're our best customer. <laughs> right? yeah. And what is, a, like, but, what is a candy bar, right? Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. So yeah. we started doing that. We started catering to the guys, you know, doing birthdays, birthday mm-hmm. parties and stuff like that. And then we had a barbecue trailer and we'd take it to different plumber shops, property managers, agents, and cook them for lunch, <coughs> cook lunch and meals. Mm-hmm. And, so we started bringing it to the shop and cooking the guys breakfast before the day would begin, or burgers mm-hmm. and dogs yeah. at the end of the day and stuff like that. And you that. know, there's a difference, Michelle, between cooking for somebody and buying them food. Yes. It's not the same thing. So yes. we were serving them is pretty yeah. much what we were doing. So we'd say, hey, you know, on Thursday we're going to pull up the barbecue trailer and make breakfast burritos. Don't eat before you come. And, then and we I bet they just, look forward to that. Like, yeah. yeah. It, I'm on and then my way. we used to have also at our shop customer appreciation events where okay. you know we'd have beer and mm-hmm. tacos and stuff. We'd have the barbecue. And we would make sure that all of our team could yeah, come. Team and they didn't have to work. They could just hang out. Mm-hmm. And they'd hang out with the customers. And the customers would get to meet them. And they could have a beer and some food. And it really helped. Yeah. But for me, on a more like day-to-day basis... What I realized was I had to delegate all my tasks that I used to do, like mm. managing, mm-hmm. so that I could have time to prepare the lessons. Okay. So I used to do, and I didn't want to work 12 hours a day anymore. We were past that. Yeah, yes. So yes. what I used to do is prepare the lessons the night before, go in, we'd have a manager's meeting, mm-hmm. then we'd do the all-team meeting, 
and I'd meet maybe for half an hour with the office to see if I needed to look over something or sign something, then I'd leave. Mm-hmm. And I'd go ride my bike, or, or Larry and I would go meet about mm-hmm. something else with them. But my trick was, I like to show up around 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon, be out in the warehouse, and as those guys came in from the field, I'd just kind of be there and ask them how their day went, help them unload some trash, and you know, being in the field's really hard. I was in the field for a long time. So they just wanted somebody to vent to. Mm-hmm. So I think that actually helped me as their ultimate manager more than anything mm-hmm. else. And better for them to vent to you than in an unhealthy or like a yeah. bad direction. Well, and you know, when you're carrying a, a granite countertop out to the trash together, you're bonding over something, <laughs> you know. And I'm not saying everybody should do that, but I think that worked really well for me personally. So where did Blue Collar Nation come from? Well, after we sold, we started We started yeah. morningtipmeeting.com, yeah. and Larry and I needed a way to market it. Mm-hmm. Right? So morningtipmeeting.com is a video series to train technicians on soft skills, but not just in our industry, right. HVC, electrical. Well, nobody knows who we are in HVC, electrical, and plumbing. Okay. So we started the podcasts to have guests on who are influencers in those verticals mm-hmm. and have them on the show, and then that would help us get noticed in those realms. Yeah, because the lessons transcend any service business. If you're going to homes, we have security guard companies, we have some installation companies of entertainment mm-hmm. systems. One of the clients, we had an auto body shop excuse me, um, for a while. And that was kind of cool. He was watching the lessons continuously. Yeah. He was just interacting with clients. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have your business and your technicians. Larry and I are good. Anybody that's listened to the show knows it kind of has undertones of car talk from NPR. Okay. Oh, yeah. Click and clack. Click and clack. Right? I have not. Okay. Oh, they just go back and forth. It's okay. Hysterical. So they're click brothers and, and okay. they go back and forth. So Larry and I... That's what we do. Yeah. So we're, we had listened to a bunch of podcasts thinking, well, this is the way to get noticed. So we started mm-hmm. listening to a bunch and we're like, there's a lot of them out there that are really good with technical information and they're so boring. Yes. So Larry and I try to <laughs> so you know exactly bring, about, yeah. we try to bring some of our, our dynamic into it, but, mm-hmm. but we have a, but there's just, there's a way that we do it. We only do it at the beginning. And then as soon as we turn it over to the guest, we try to let them okay. take the, the reins for the rest of the time to get and if there. If the we, guest is entertaining, we're generally quiet, but if we're not, we try and interject that is yeah. silly, funny things. And, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And honestly, Michelle, <laughs> that's fair. When we started, <laughs> yes. like, I was like, Larry, we should do a podcast. We'd be good. I think we could be mm-hmm. okay at this. And he was like, okay, yeah, we'll do anything, you know. So we started, and we literally, I remember before we recorded, we're like, if three people ever hear this, that would be like past our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be nuts. And now it's like thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads later, and we're just like, we look at the list of where people listen. It's it's worldwide. That's yeah. awesome. And we're just like, who's listening to us in Korea? <laughs> you, you know, somebody. Why are you interested? Yeah. Exactly. We Do you even speak English? English? Well. You know, like, Exactly. But uh, yeah, we actually have a pretty big following in mm-hmm. Europe and Australia as well. That's I mean, awesome. English speaking yeah. as well. So, Do you guys have a favorite guest or a favorite show you've ever done? Not to alienate the rest of the guests you've had on, but I, I'm, I'm curious. Favorite there have guest. to be some people that you've had on where you're like, Marvelous that was... Mark was good recently. He was great yeah. at the experience. He was, he was so experience. entertaining. Yeah, we had him in the podcast before, and I just sent him a text. Hey, Mark, you want to be on the show? And he's like... 
Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. The keynote speaker, it was like replying back to me immediately. I'm like, score, and he was really cool. He was like a, I don't mean this in a bad way, like a pleasant surprise. You know, when yeah. you hear that kind of name, you don't really know what you're going to get out of a keynote like that. He was really good. Like, he was What he really taught good. was good, and it was entertaining yeah. and engaging. And yeah. Yeah. What was cool is that, I mean, any of us have been doing like the the coaching thing for a while. All the lessons were the same as you always mm -hmm, get, mm -hmm. but the delivery made you much more engaged. Yes. Drumsticks so. and stuff, that was cool. My sons love the drumsticks. Yeah. I, so. have, uh, I have I have two favorite guests. Uh -oh. Okay, there we go. I have two favorite guests for completely <laughs> different reasons. I didn't know it had a screensaver. That's never happened to me before. <laughs> so my favorite guest, I think, is a guy named Chris Yano. He okay. has a podcast in the HVAC industry. Mm -hmm. He's got a big marketing firm in Phoenix. He's just, he's done everything. He was like a professional bull rider. He yeah. raced indie cars. He's hes like that guy, you know. Okay. He's just lived like 50 lives and he's only like 30 years old. Okay. So he was really interesting and he's become a friend of ours. We visited him out in Phoenix and stuff. Tommy Mello was great as well. Yeah, he's a, so a one garage contest. door. He's got like Ow. a... Can I speak for crying out loud? You already, had, you already said your favorite guest. You're going to go on and on. No, That's no. entertaining. So I'm to the point. You're going yeah, on and on. Yeah, keep it up. So anyway. Keep it up. Him because he was so interesting. And then I'm, I'm not trying to brown nose Chuck, but Chuck V. Olin because yeah, Chuck was great. I learned a lot from Chuck over the years. And then I just really believe in his philosophy yeah. of business. So yeah. when we had him on with his book, The Entrepreneurial Conspiracy, yep. I really enjoyed that yeah. conversation. Great book. Actually, it is. They were pushing it up front, and I was like, yeah. Because that's the same really conversation good. in my private life that I'd love to have over lunch. I, As I was reading the book, and maybe you guys were the same when you know Chuck, it was like I heard him reading it to me oh, yeah. in his voice. Like, I've, like, I've heard this before. And this then is everything that you know is what you do wrong, you're sitting there like, he's judging yep. me right now. I feel that. <laughs> we had the uh, the editor of CNR Magazine on one time. It was really good, actually. <laughs> we had Ray Charles from the airport. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Charles from the airport. Yes, the, all the many stories with the sunglasses and oh, the yeah, yeah. in this dark border. Flight twelve sixty seven. Oh <laughs> I gotta go. I can't you didn't miss that one. No, so I didn't miss that flight. That's, we were all good. Oh yeah, that's good. And we had who else is here in the building that we need? Derek Priest has been on Derek a couple Priest times. Derek been on yeah. a few times. Yeah, Katie. Spot on solutions. Katie as well. Katie is, is great. Cool. There are a lot of people here alone. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's good to be in the industry, know people, and get to know people, which is very. It's such a great that. industry. Like every, I'm always blown away every time we go to an industry event. How many like just smart, and super nice people you meet. Nice. Yeah. This industry is because a lot of times, like when you're in your local market, especially like ours in Southern California, which can be really cutthroat. Mm -hmm. You're not feeling that way about everybody. In your I'm sure not. <laughs> so, I'm sure not. But you also don't see those people here. Yeah. yeah. So, so, what was business planning like for you here? Is this the first time you've been to business planning events? Yes, first time. So, how was it? Well, many business planning events, but this but one was great. One VMA was yeah. wonderful. Violin. Well, it's just more structured. Yeah. I mean, you have thinking time and just filling out a template. Okay. Which is very valuable. Yeah. So yeah. for Larry and I, we're at this. We were at this crossroads where we have certain decisions to make, mm -hmm. and I think just being here and then them asking us the questions and having the materials to go work on it and then we would just go out in the hall mm -hmm. and then just start yep. working on it i mean they give you the time to actually do deep thought yeah it's yeah. time for me to tell eric what he needs to know because he has all these ideas oh 
Celsius conference. This is why I didn't do it on Zoom because I knew that <clears throat> that I, would happen. So we'd have to keep them in line, and we had time for me to let them know what needs to be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a different take on that. Uh huh. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, no, no. I, I there's some truth to that I'm an ideas person, so I'll like shotgun in 15 ideas, <laughs> and then Larry and I will have to like sort it mm-hmm. out with getting me to yeah, let go of 13 yeah. of the 15 and say we're going to do these two said, which are the most fun let's pick those because yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. ones we're going to go with so yeah we so i think we we have a much better plan for 2022 than we did before we got here and were you planning for morning tech meeting is that yes. the business you were planning yeah. for yeah. okay so mm-hmm. you don't have to share all of it but what are some of your goals moving forward now that you're here you've been through this so one of the big things is is that we have such a unique product mm-hmm. that nobody knows exactly what we do, and they actually get the podcast confused with our product. Oh, because they're both okay. video often. They're, yeah. Kind of. So we're really going to change our marketing, like a lot of our copy, so okay. that they understand the difference between the two. Okay. And I mean, this sounds so basic, but we realize like our elevator pitch or our, our you know explaining it mm-hmm. is still no good because they don't. <laughs> No, because okay. they don't understand. Like, it's one of those products that if you don't see it, like, mm-hmm. it's hard to get your head around it. So when people ask you what you do, you're like, well, I have this video series. So we're working okay. on that pitch. So that's one. Clarifying. And then uh, number two is to really pick an industry and get that down first. Okay. Instead of trying to go, oh, we're going to, like, hit it in all of the verticals. Like, just pick one, which would be cleaning restoration, because sure. most people know us, and go deep on this one. And then, okay, we've figured this out entirely with this industry. Sure. Now let's move on to HVAC, and then let's move on to plumbing. Sure. So, you know, like most entrepreneurs, we were being too broad. Yes. And you get that e-drift thing, that entrepreneurial drift, like, ooh, that's yeah, a shiny, that's object, shiny object, object over there. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah that we're happens. super guilty of that. Yeah, most entrepreneurs are. It's hard to stay yeah. focused. Um, so what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the industry over the years when you've been in it? There's been a lot that's changed and a lot that's the same. There's a lot of technology changes. Mm-hmm. And going to these um, trade shows and seeing the new products out there and the new, you know, the CRMs yeah. do so much more. Yep. And, um, you know, there's a lot of technology and a lot of management things that they can do with that. But at the end of the day, which we were trying to say in here, you still have to train your guys and they still have to be functional and they still have to think. And you can't just hire a guy that can fog a mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's pr- pretty much what we're all up against right now. you got to retain your people, train them and retain them. And that's the biggest problem because people don't have the staff to do all the work. Well, I think with that technology, you still have human problems. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give a couple human examples. Yeah. You know, it's great to have Dash and Luxor, which are mm-hmm. amazing softwares. But if your technicians and your estimators are not populating the fields that you need for the data, yeah. it's useless. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in the other trades, they use... A, a software called Service Titan, yep. $10 billion company. Mm-hmm. This, it stuffs, I mean, the software is amazing, but I have a six location plumbing company that I coach, and we had a whole hour on people need to put the information in because I'm asking you for these KPIs and you don't have the data. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it still all comes down to people. Like Larry said, I, I couldn't agree more. And then the other thing was the conversation this morning about you know, um, you know, 
larger private equity firms really yeah. pouring a lot of money into the industry and how that's going to change yes. and then how for companies like the ones that you know we generally deal with how do you compete with that yeah that's scary but there's also opportunity in that. yeah I was, and that's what everybody was saying so what do you think that the industry needs as far as like when you look at the independent players who aren't planning to sell to a first on-site or they're not going to get a PE interest or whatever, how are they going to stay viable? How do they stay competitive in their market? Stay focused, business plan, cool. the operations, have a better culture. Culture, culture is the biggest thing I mean, actually. Probably. We sound like a broken record, but I mean, that was us. We, we had one of the largest big restoration franchises right in our town. They were massive. There were 18 wheelers and 100 mm -hmm. trucks and the whole thing. And you know, to be honest, in our local area, you know, if they, anything that wasn't a preferred vendor deal, we were getting all that work. And the reason we did it is because we, we talked did, about you. They did. All good. All good. Everything was yeah. positive. Yeah, we are. Not, we're not live, live, but live. But, you know, we were able to compete and beat them in many ways because we could just outserve them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, they tried to steal all of our technicians in one day by offering them like three times what we were paying them because yeah. they were trying to run us out of business. A couple, one or two left and that was it. And yeah, and none of them ever got that money either. But Did they try to come back to you? Yes. A couple of them. They were not welcome. I'm, yep. <laughs> not I would with, think not so. Not with me. Yep. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, those are the kinds of things that you're up against. So. You have to build that culture so that the guys don't take that deal. Yeah, that's hard to do. Like if so, if you're if if they were more savvy, they would have said there's they can't possibly possibly pay me this much. Right. Right. But if you have a great culture, they're going to be like, I don't think I want to leave. I mean, we would have yeah, guys go look. I can it. go make five dollars an hour more, but if I go there, it's not worth it to me mm -hmm. because I don't have this feel. Yeah. And, and it's that's the same what a thing. bunch of the guys said at the time. They're like, you know, we can't go over there. No matter how much they're paying us, it's yeah. just not going to work out. Mm -hmm. We know yeah. it. You, can, you know, Peter Drucker says this all the time that, you know, culture eats strategy for lunch. Yeah. And we just believe that. We really believe it. So, I mean, obviously you have to find your niche and your market to compete against mm -hmm. the big boys. Mm -hmm. But beyond whatever that is, you have to have a company where people are willing to run through walls for you. Yes. Yeah. All right, I don't know that I have anything else that I want to touch on. Anything that we didn't touch on that you want to share? Any fun stories from coaching or the field? You've shared some funny stories, so I don't yeah, I so think I we finish, could just do a I, full podcast Can I stories. finish the airplane story? Yes, please. please. killing me. So, <laughs> I didn't know you, we didn't finish the story. Okay, no, wait. no, I, we took okay. half. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you're going to say that I'm lying. I'm not, I'm not lying. <laughs> okay. So I'm at the, uh, we had just started. Okay. So we're yeah. like dead broke, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're not spending any money that we don't have yep. to. So we were supposed to take a shuttle to where we were going. In Houston, anybody knows Houston, it's a huge belt yes. loop. Yep. So Bush Airport is at 12 o'clock and uh -huh. Hobby is at 6 o'clock. Uh -huh. So I landed at 4 p.m. Okay. So you can imagine, it's like essentially L.A. traffic. Right, you know, Houston's awful, yes. So then I'm, I'm like... Larry can't get there. He's flying into Hobby now. I need to get a car. But we have, like, not much money, right? And there was an oil convention in town, so the car was, oh, like, God. astronomical. So I just, like, all right, we're sucking up. Get it for the week or five days or whatever, right? So I drive a very long time mm -hmm. to 6 o'clock, and I'm not happy. And he gets there, and he's all like, 
what's up, buddy? And this is, you know, it was so great to be in here. He's doing the Larry. He's happy. And, you know. He's doing the and Larry. I'm like, I like that. And I'm like, I had to get your friggin' luggage. I had to rent the car. <laughs> I had to drive here. Don't give me the, you know, I haven't eaten all day, which I'm hangry. 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 And I'm like, <laughs> I'm really hating you right now, you know? And he's like, we gotta get you some food, dude. And, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. So now we're driving because our hotel is oh, no. at nine o'clock. So we drive, we go get me some food, which slightly took the edge off. And then it's like super late by the time we get to the hotel. And then Larry goes, how much was the car anyway? And I said, I don't know, $500 or whatever. And he goes, we gotta take that back right now. Like, we can't <laughs> afford that. And I was like, dude, I don't even care right now. I'm so tired. <laughs> And then he goes, no, this has to go back. So I, I said, okay, yeah, it needs to go back. He goes, so and then he goes, I, I have dying. a migraine. <laughs> I'm going to bed. You take so it back. Sick. I was putting every, all my energy and just getting there. Oh, it's going to kill you. So then. And I went to bed. I Eric then, saved the day. I'll give him credit. I was I drove I was so to the Ill. airport at like midnight. <laughs> We've been traveling it might all have been at 1 o'clock in the morning. It was late. It was late. Right, and then I had to take a shuttle back. Oh, so it was like one or two in the morning when I finally got into the room, and he's fast asleep in his mm -hmm. bed. And Michelle, like, I mean, Larry and I fight, but we don't like fight, fight. <laughs> he was laying there, and I was like seriously thinking, like, Can I, I could just start punching him in the back of the head, you know? Like, I, was pillow so, over. So like, no. I was so angry. And then the next morning, he's a morning person. He wakes up, and he's like. Let's go, dude. You know, I've had like four hours sleep, and I'm like, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm, you leave the room now. Go find something else to do with your life. <laughs> totally. <laughs> the convention sleeping. started, and we left. It was we all good. After after that. That. Yeah, it was yeah, we got over it. But yeah, that that's was a our, long that day. Was a, uh, that's a story that wow. I mean, every one of our employees knew that story, could yeah. tell that story. Like, uh -huh. that's. What, I, I want to make that last point. One of the things that Larry and I did. In our, in our employee manual, mm -hmm. we had like a three-page history of the company okay. so that they could feel like they're buying into our story, Everybody too. knew that we went to college So they knew together. the stories. They knew yeah. the airport. They knew all these things. So, and they could literally tell those stories at a party. And it or made the them clients. feel closer mm -hmm. to us, I mm -hmm. think. I think that was a good move on our part. It was a marketing thing at first, but it turned into a cultural maneuver as well that just worked great we became much closer with our guys and they were more engaged and they're like oh this is great the, you know the marketing because yeah. we learned you had to market to our team just like we had to market to clients and potential clients the reason we did that is i remember one day you know larry and i had long been out of the field and a, a younger guy came in and he was having trouble on a job and i said well you know look all you got to do is this that and this and that's what i always did he looked at me with no sense of irony. He goes, you were in the field? And I was like, how do you think we got here? <laughs> you know, like, I was so offended, you know? He was like, I didn't think you ever, I think you so sat weird, at this desk all these marketing nothing. materials we had us in the field. <laughs> like pushing work, yeah, exactly. He yeah. had no idea that Larry and I had ever done one stitch of manual labor in our whole lives. And I said, Larry, we need to, to write out a story so that every person, when they come in, Part of the onboarding process yeah. is they know our history. You understand. Yeah, exactly. So we're going I, on and on. I love it. No, it's great. <laughs> this is a good conversation and great stories. Thank you, gentlemen, very much Thank for your you. time. You need little hands like the Diojo John I. Oh, oh my gosh. Michelle, we need to talk. <laughs> what in the heck is that? I crazy. Love that guy. Should I edit in some clips in here? <laughs> exactly. Like, is the Diojo next?
Are you going to take us over next in your hostile reign of terror? Reign of terror? Reign of terror. Do we need the music to be like stuff. nine times louder than our voice? Oh my gosh. <laughs> An explosion or something in the middle of it. I'm yeah. like, how long does it take you to edit your stuff? Like, I don't... You know who that drives crazy? The, 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 the volume differential drives Jarrett Steer crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so before we started, he's like, John... Don't edit this and make the volume all weird. And he's like, <laughs> uh, so, Jared is great. John is great. Yeah, great this They're total opposites. That's the thing. Yes. That's awesome. They actually have a dynamic that's similar to, to ours. Yeah. Oh, really? So, yeah, oh, a little bit. On the podcast. Yeah. He was so funny. And oh, he was giving John us called a hard time. DoorDash. <laughs> so Jared had to leave the cooking <laughs> answer the door. So, oh, call DoorDash. He's gone. <laughs> It was so funny. It was just cracking me up. <laughs> In the middle of the podcast. Oh, Jared's like, I gotta go. <laughs> he started the podcast with like a tiger head mask. Uh, mask. Yes, mask. Like, with a little oh hand God. sticking out. <laughs> and he kept going, going like this. <laughs> So if you ever want to watch the podcast, it's on our YouTube we, channel. Okay. Oh, it's hysterical. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know how I... Okay. Well, yeah, I was yeah, going to have really to go check that out, obviously. obviously. I mean, so it's the John Isaacson show for the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, we're just 100%. People need to understand his humor because I said in one of his sessions at CORE, and he would make jokes, and you know, he's got kind of this dry humor, right? Yeah. And I'm like, that's funny, guys. That's just a joke. Like, I'm laughing, and everybody's like... Because like, if you don't know him, you're not sure how to Yeah, react. he's 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 it's funny. It's well, a, and if you read his books, which yeah. are really great, yeah. you're like, how is this guy <laughs> yes. doing this? Uh -huh. like, it content. Doesn't, he had wonderful content. The books yeah. were great. <laughs> he's the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's hysterical. We're awesome. gonna have him on soon for his next book, Project yeah. Project Managers. Managers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Project Managers. Really good book. Yeah, right on. I love it. For more restoration today, visit our website, cnrmagazine.com. Or find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.